thank you for joining us for this next year turnaround restructuring and insolvency podcast series. We'll be exploring global issues that affect the world economy. I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'll be joined by a selection of experts from around the world in firms that are all part of the Nexia International Network, and all of whom are leaders in turnaround, restructuring and insolvency. Nexia International is a leading global network of independent accounting and consulting firms. All of the experts appearing on this show can be contacted via the Nexia International website. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this podcast episode. The news is jam-packed with problems and has been for months. In our podcast, we've looked at energy issues, supply chain problems, the ongoing impact of COVID, and now the world is facing the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Are businesses going to suffer from the impact of this awful conflict? And if so, how? Which sectors and where? Are the demands on business overall going to prove too great? I'm joined today by two next year experts to explore these issues. We have Raina Colgan, who is Senior Advisor at PPNC Independent Auditors. He lives in Brazil, but is German and works in Europe, the USA and South America. He's an expert in turnaround, structuring and organisational change. We also have Martin Trott, who is a partner at Rawlinson and & Hunter and an insolvency practitioner at RNH Restructuring. He lives in the Cayman Islands. He has lots of cross-border experience, having worked with corporates in the UK, the US, the Far East, Europe, and of course, the Cayman Islands. Hi, Rainer. Hi, Martin. How are you? I'm doing perfect. Yeah, hi, Rebecca. Yeah, very good. Thanks. Um, pleasure to join you today. Yeah, no, it's great to see you both. So, I mean, we've done various podcasts over the last couple of months. We've been looking at COVID, we've looked at energy, we looked at supply chain issues. Uh, and now we've got all these issues in the Ukraine. I mean, the news is exhausting, I think, for everybody at the moment. There's so much happening um, and so many different types of problems. But we talk about people and we talk about individuals and countries. But what about businesses? I mean, everybody's more international now. Can we talk about them? I mean, are we going to be seeing lots of businesses going under as a result of all these different issues? What do you think? Rebecca, I don't think that uh, overall, a lot of businesses will uh, will have really problems and issues that will lead to uh, an increased percentage of insolvencies uh, just because of the uh, the war between Russia and Ukraine. Um, however, um, that is not saying that um, companies will not face difficulties over the next couple of months, quarters, and maybe two or three years. Um, but that will be because we, we, what we're uh, seeing already is an increase in commodity prices, um, both for the agricultural sector, but also for mining uh, and, and energy um, commodities, which have risen over the last eight, nine weeks, um, I don't know, 15, 20% probably. Um, and this will lead to more inflation and more inflation will drive a faster rise of interest rates from the central banks than uh, people expected uh, just a couple of months ago. So, um, and, and the rising interest rates uh, will lead to higher cost of capital um, and more difficulties for companies to get funding and uh, pass on the, the um, inflation increase to their customers. I know, I can see that. And what about you, Martin? What do you think? Are we going to be seeing more insolvencies? 
Uh, Rebecca, I gave up trying to predict um, uh, <laughs> rising insolvencies many, many years ago. Um, it's uh, it's very, very difficult to to tell because uh, there's so many. The world is is now so much more globalised than it, than it ever was, and there's so many factors that that go into pressures on on businesses. But uh, the the fact that uh, all of these issues uh, that are coming out of uh, of Russia and Ukraine are so soon off of the back of the global pandemic. I think is a is a major issue, and um, and as Reiner says, the the rising cost of capital, the increases in in uh, cost of living, and and therefore which is putting which is pushing inflation up, which is going to push up interest rates, means that uh, for for a long now more more than than ever, um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on on businesses and, and finances. Um, to uh, to meet these uh, these incre- increased costs of capital, so I, as a result, I, I do think uh, we will see an increase in in insolvencies, um, and um, uh, and we're, we're we're certainly starting to see that in the Caribbean region. And what about I mean, you, with COVID, you mentioned COVID, so we've had all the economic stimulus packages that have that everybody was sort of depending on for a while while that was going on. Obviously, they've all kind of gone recently in all the different countries across the world. Do you think that's going to have a, an impact in, in making things more difficult for people and the reality of COVID sort of starting to come through? I think it will will uh, will add to like the problems that we're already seeing um, because the, um, the, the the entire packages that governments... Um, I don't want to say handed out, but really um, offered and provided uh, and that people and companies made use of, uh, they increased the level of public debt um, in, in the at least the Northern Hemisphere substantially. Um, and um, I don't know what uh, finance ministers uh, put in terms of, of midterm interest rates uh, on that package that they um, really um, borrowed over the last two years, two and a half years. Uh, but they're going to be impacted by raising interest rates, uh, which made it more difficult to repay the debt. Um, so I, I don't really know. It's, it's not going to be good that we have this. Uh, so it's just an accumulation of various negative um, impacts, COVID uh, to start with, and the supply chain disruptions between especially Asia and um, the US and Europe as a result of COVID. And now the war between Russia and Ukraine driving commodity prices up again, um, that's all not positive. And it um, confronts a situation where public debt is already at a high level. And I suppose the interest rates for individual businesses, being a business myself, you know, we've got so used for so long at having really low interest rates, haven't we? Um, I mean, it's been it's been many years now. So... Do you think people will have the provisions in place to deal with those interest rates that you know going up so rapidly? You're, you're absolutely right, Rebecca. There's there's uh, there's a whole generation of businesses now out there that have enjoyed uh, historic low interest rates for the past ten to fifteen years, and uh, and now we're entering into a a cycle where interest rates are going to are going to move up uh, across across many jurisdictions around the world. And businesses are going to have to plan for that um, and make sure that, uh, as well as those those businesses in the uh, the consumer product sector, for example, that may have been benefiting from uh, more than other sectors from the, uh, the the fiscal stimuluses that governments have introduced to economies around the world, 
um, are going to have to cope with with that, but also cope with with rising interest rates and uh, and having proper forecasting and, and proper planning uh, is going to be key. I mean, you work with loads of funds, don't you? Because you're in that very horrible place, the Cayman Islands. <laughs> you're nice and warm with your palm trees out your window, which I'm not going to talk about. <laughs> but you, um, but you, you see a lot of sort of fund investments and things like that. And what, what do you? Do you think money is going to start coming from different places? Are people going to be more inventive in terms of where they're getting their funding? Yeah, don't don't believe what you read in the press about the Cayman Islands, Rebecca. Uh, very nice I, I personally um, think I should come and investigate it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, you, that's right. One of the one of the drivers for 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 not as many insolvencies as as possibly people think is that is the access to to different financing structures. The 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 Cayman Islands um, and other Caribbean jurisdictions are used. Um, for, for for domiciling financing structures being a being a tax neutral jurisdiction and we see um we see the rise in funds fund fund structures and fund setups uh, are ever increasing in in these jurisdictions and that's as a result of um of, of access to cash and, and money and there's there are funds and other um, non-traditional lenders out there who um, are sat on cash that they are ready to de- deploy. And so uh, uh, companies and clients that were used to traditional bank lending, as an example, should definitely consider other other forms of financing and, uh, and should consider private equity, private debt, should consider uh, funds um, as, as alternative forms of forms of financing. No, that's really interesting. And I mean, do, are you seeing um, sort of results of the of the whole sort of Ukraine conflict in your area? Are you seeing that affecting what you're doing on a day to day basis? Yeah, I'll uh, see this um, in in several aspects. I mean, um, you see it in Europe. Uh, the last time I've been in Germany was three weeks ago. Um, when you take a train from Berlin somewhere west uh, to like Düsseldorf or Cologne or Frankfurt and other large cities, um, you, the, the, the train is packed full of uh, Ukrainian refugees, uh, which is really heartbreaking to see um, the, the conditions they arrive in Berlin, which is the closest uh, large city to the Polish border. Uh, so that's that's one thing. The other one is um, you see this in, in businesses because um, a lot of um, German companies or European companies have um, some some form of relationship, uh, either customers in Ukraine or Russia or suppliers. Um, and I have just one one example here: um, a company that is uh, active in heavy um, machinery equipment uh, manufacturing. They had some service technicians in the city of Murmansk, uh, which is on the uh, Kola Peninsula in Russia. That's where the Russian uh, fleet for the North Sea is located uh, when the war broke out. So they had difficulties getting their people um, out of Russia, which took, I think, five, six days, getting them through China and the U.S. back to Europe. Um, And then they also have canceled orders uh, for deliveries. So... It's very difficult. But, I mean, you're in South America and, you know, you've got quite a big food agricultural 
element in South America going on. Do you think that as both Russia and Ukraine play important roles in the global agro-industrial sort of supply chains, do you think there's going to be a shift in business um, or do you think there's just going to be a terrible shortage and bread will become a luxury food item? There, there will be before there is the shift in, in, in the business structure or the value chains in, in the agro industry, uh, which will take usually a year or two to, to manifest themselves. There will be a, a shift in prices, which uh, we're already seeing. Uh, both Russia and Ukraine are um, large exporters for fertilizers. And I think the price increase for fertilizers has been about 40% uh, since the war started. Um, and that has an impact, for instance, on comp- uh, countries like Brazil and Argentina. Uh, so this will drive uh, the, the prices for soy and, uh, and other commodities which are grown here. And that, in effect, will drive prices for basically all the other food items uh, across the world. And the other thing is both Ukraine and Russia are also uh, big market participants for uh, wheat, especially going to European countries and Northern African countries. And the prices for, for wheat uh, have also risen. So I don't want to say bread is becoming a luxury good, uh, but <laughs> uh, when you consider that the raw material prices of uh, usual uh, roll is like 40%, um, so if you have an increase of 20% uh, on, on 40%, it's almost a 10% price increase you're going to see uh, in the supermarket. It's quite noticeable, isn't it? But it's interesting that you're talking about the sort of trade moving to different parts of the world. I mean, Martin, from your point of view in a funds context, are you seeing are you seeing a shift of where the wealth's coming from? Um, are there changes that you're seeing as a result of all this? Well, what, um, two of the... To the areas that we're seeing it, one at a local level, we're seeing the same thing as as, as Ryder mentioned, which a lot of people are experiencing, which is the uh, the consumer prices going up, the um, cost of, of fuel at the pump, etc. And uh, it's uh, it's driving the debate on alternative renewable energy and pushing that forward. So one of the one of the benefits that that may come out of this is the less reliance on fossil fuels and more reliance on on renewables, which is great. We are being in a in a place where the sun always shines and the wind is strong, we should be using those sources far more than uh, than fossil fuels. So, so that's at a local level, which I think everyone's experiencing. And at an international level, um, the main impact of the uh, the Ukrainian situation is um, on the sanctions, and and we are having to deal with uh, the sanctions that have been imposed by the US, the UK, and Europe in particular. Um, and tread extremely carefully around uh, anything that involves involves Russia. There are there are Russian uh, investors, for example, in in funds that are located here in in Cayman, and and there are conversations that are having to be had by investment managers and and fund administrators around how to deal with sanctions when you have a even even at a at a level where you've got a Russian individual who has a Russian passport uh, who may not be sanctioned at all just just by virtue of the fact that he's russian we we are having to think very carefully around for example what to do with with distributions to uh, to investors if you've got that situation so that's that's where we're seeing it sanctions is obviously extremely extremely you have to you have to be extremely careful when when dealing with sanctions given the uh, the the criminal consequences for breach of sanctions that's largely the impact we're seeing at an international level 
Mm, that's really interesting. And, and in terms of um, where the money's coming from, because what I always notice is that um, we're, within Europe, we think about ourselves so much. We tend to be quite self-centered, I think, in just looking at what's going on in Europe and sort of thinking it's the center of the world. And yet, you know, as Reiner always says to me, there's like 1.4 billion people over in Asia and, and having worked out there, I know they don't even think about us. So do you think this is a massive opportunity for them to actually gain some trade from what's going on in Europe? I mean, it's not their argument. It's not, it's not to do with them. So they can actually use this opportunity either with putting wealth into, you know, funds that you deal with, Martin, or, or winning trade. What do you what do you guys think about that? I, I think um, that the let's say midterm consequences not not for the next I don't know 12, 18, 24 months, but probably over the next uh, three, four, five years, what we will see is that countries like the BRICS countries, uh, Brazil, India, China, South Africa, and also Russia as part of BRICS, not to forget. Uh, they're taking on, on the political decision side right now already a more independent uh, stand. Uh, I don't want to say against uh, Europe or the, the United States, but they're just making clear, okay, this is not our our issue and our problem, uh, this war between Russia and Ukraine. And when I talk to people in Brazil or the other uh, the other day, I talked to uh, one of um, one of our colleagues in in the Middle East. They definitely see a shift from let's say the northern hemisphere uh, European North Atlantic uh, relationships and view how how the world let's say should look like and and how it has been functioning for a long time towards other centers. Uh, I don't want to say a multipolar-centered world. It's not clear yet, but it's it's definitely changing. Uh, and population distribution and the future population growth over the next uh, 30 years, which mainly will happen in, in Africa and some parts in Asia, but definitely not in Europe or North America, will drive this. And um, if businesses in Europe have been, let's say, focused more on the European, uh, North American uh, trade relationships, um, you better start thinking about uh, other parts of the world which uh, are growing faster and, and in a more reliable way over the next couple of uh, years and decades. That's really interesting. What about you, Martin? What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the the uh, Every situation creates opportunities for for other countries and some of these countries that historically have been referred to as emerging markets are no longer emerging markets they are they are fully fledged um, participants in the international community and we're seeing in 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 the caribbean region uh, we're seeing a rise of uh, of the latam economies and a lot more structures that involve and involve south american investors, South American money. And we've always ha- historically had uh, very strong connections to the US and to the Far East. Um, a lot of the distress that we've seen, uh, a lot of the insolvencies over the past two years have uh, have been largely out of the out of the Far East as a result of uh, of some of the, uh, the the economic issues China's been been facing, particularly in the in the property market. So yeah, I mean, I think all these situations, well, as bad as 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 bad as they are, they do present opportunities for 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 others, and therefore, you know, clients in terms of accessing, in terms of dealing with rising interest rates and accessing markets, 
um, clients should definitely look at uh, at other other markets for alternative forms of financing. That's that's really interesting. So, I mean, that that leads us on to my final question, which would be, what's your top tip for businesses? I mean, we're, you know, we're sitting here going, where do we start? <laughs> so much to deal with. So, I mean, Martin, what would be your top tips for a business at the moment? Definitely, definitely talk to your advisors. involve your advice in decision making no no in in all seriousness um it it is is vitally important more so than ever to be focusing on forecasting and focusing on business plans and uh, and making sure that uh, you you're incorporating uh, uh, rising interest rates and rising um, commodity prices into your business plans because um, it's coming and uh, we, we're seeing it now. It's only in the sh- in the short to medium term those costs are only going to going to increase and therefore um, and therefore forecasting and and seeking advice uh, on um, on ways to, uh, to to manage your business and to and to focus on uh, on your costs. I know a lot of a lot of businesses that that we come across have been doing that as a result of the pandemic. So this would just be an extension of 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 that sort of focus on on the cost of the business. But that's that's vitally important in a in a situation where we're facing these uh, increased interest rates. Right. And what about you, Reiner? Uh, do you have any um, tips for business that will help us all get through the next couple of years? Um, I mean, in, in, in addition uh, to, to what Martin already said, talk to your advisor. Uh, I mean, make make <laughs> sure that not only your advisor, but, but your own, uh, I mean, if you're the owner of a business or, or with your management team, uh, if you haven't done already, go back and, and start revising your midterm planning like three, four, five years out and make sure that uh, you're not only planning for rising interest rates like, okay, it's 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 right now a little bit above zero in, in, in Europe what you pay, uh, but go to, I mean, go to levels like five, six, six and a half, seven percent, uh, which most people will probably say, nope, uh, but but just, I mean, do yourself a favor and uh, do some scenario planning um, because that's probably what we're going to see if inflation will uh, keep at, will, will stay at the level that we currently have. Um, I know that the European Central Bank is hesitant to start raising interest rates, but uh, you can only do that so long until then <laughs> uh, the, the population starts... Um, I mean, feeling feeling uneasy of uh, their money being really worthless, ten uh, percent less uh, after after a year. Uh, so this is one thing uh, that that I would advise. And the other one is keep a focus on um, on your cash situation. Um, if you haven't done so already during the pandemic, uh, take a look at your cost structure. I mean, even in uh, considering times with uh, low interest rate, cash is important. And if interest rates will be rising, it will, cash will be more expensive. And thirdly, would be uh, really midterm five to 10 years. Uh, if you haven't tried to figure out <clears throat> if you can do business with uh, with what Mark said, were the emerging markets and are now the full-fledged uh, ex-emerging markets, take a look at uh, expanding beyond uh, maybe the regional footprint you have right now. That's such great advice from both of you. Thank you so much for all your all the things you talked about today. It's so interesting um, and really helpful as well, helpful advice. So thank you very much, guys. I hope you have a good day. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. 
thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by the Nexia Turnaround Restructuring and Insolvency Business Group. The group was formed to bring together financial, legal and operational expertise from across the Nexia network to support global clients and international business at times of operational challenges and financial distress. If you want to get in touch with any of our speakers or any of the experts in the 45 firms in 36 countries across the world, then please click the link accompanying this podcast or visit the Nexia website. All views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and do not constitute professional advice. You're advised to seek professional advice if you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation.